Here's Buddy Franklin knocked away by Morris. Couldn't mark it. Naismith, Kennedy, handball out to Buddy. Buddy tackled by Morris. Oh! Dropping the ball. Boyd took the advantage and played on from inside the centre square. Boyd's kicked the goal. Boyd's oh! kicked the goal from inside the centre. Yes, hello everyone and welcome to the second SC Playbook AFL podcast for 2023, proudly brought to you by Pat and George from Mortgage Choice SCW. My name is Eddie Dads. Uh, As always, I'm keeping things together over here at SC Playbook HQ, um, but I couldn't do it without some of the the best in the business helping me out. So I'm very pleased to report that back in 2023, we have the SC Bandit. Um, He's blowing up on Twitter at the moment. Give him a follow if you haven't already. Bandit, how are you going on this fine Wednesday afternoon? I'm well, Eddie. Good to be good to be back for another year, and uh, yeah, looking forward to talking all things Supercoach. We've got got a fair bit to get through. I know people are starting to really focus on putting their teams together, so yeah, looking forward to getting back into it. Fantastic. Um, I always it always feels like Supercoach season when I start seeing the SC Bandit pop up at the top of my Twitter news feeds. I love to see it. Um, Dylan, we had you on last week, but it's great to have you back on again. Um, how's your week been? What's news? Yeah, pretty crazy week. Um, yeah, enjoying the, the the last little bit of summer, I guess, before work and uni sort of ramps up again. So, yeah, nothing too exciting. Um, just a bit of relaxation. What about yourself, mate? What have you been up to? Um, believe it or not, I'm back in North America. So currently podcasting from uh, the great Canadian West Coast on Vancouver, which is a lot of fun. Uh, the, uh, the jet lag's... Yeah, giving me a bath at the moment, but hopefully through that by tonight. Um, yeah, it's good to be back over here. A lot colder, obviously. Um, Bandit, what I did want to find out from you is whether you've started footy preseason yet. I know you're one of the one of the, quite a couple, a few of the SC Playbook um, contributors team that, that jump out on the field on weekends. So you're back into it yet? Yeah, we had our first session back uh, last night, which was which was good. Uh, I've been doing a little bit of uh, running with some of my teammates um, down a local park uh before that so yeah it wasn't a complete uh to the system but yeah nice to be um back around that footy club environment it's hard to sort of replicate that anywhere else i reckon so um yeah if you find a good footy club uh culture it's it's pretty hard to beat so yeah loving loving being back absolutely no arguments from me um i'm gonna be back in adelaide later this year i'm gonna give the the adelaide university blacks a big shout out the greatest football club on earth um, apart from the one you guys play for obviously um are we talking flags this year for you bandit uh, not sure. We did get uh, my team got relegated last year, so we'll be um, in a lower division this year, which is probably a, a good thing. We didn't have a hugely successful year mm-hmm. last year, so yeah, you never know. But um, yeah, we'll hopefully be at least a bit more um, a bit more competitive. So that'll be that'll be good. Yeah, love it. Well, can't wait to find out about your results week on week through the year. Um, it's something we neglected last year to find out how the bandit was going out on the footy field. So can't wait to get into that this year. Um, now, I wanted to give a little bit of a plug for the SC Playbook website this season. Um, if you're listening out there, obviously, we had a massive first year of SC Playbook AFL last year. Uh, we're back bigger and better than ever this year. There are daily articles on site at scplaybook.com.au. They're starting to be rolled out at the moment. Um, Charlie's putting in some absolute work over there. Um, give him a follow on Twitter as well, at Charles J. Dads. Um, he's killing it. Um, we're going to have got a few of the most switched on in names in Supercoach back again to help us out this year, including the both of you um, and Stevie Nico, the 20, 2021 runner-up. Um, we're going to have a weekly podcast on this feed uh, as well as much, much, much more. Um, I cannot wait to get into it. We've started early this season, which I love. Gives us a heap of time to talk about everything. Um, but before we get into today's topic, which is going to be all about mid-price madness, um, I did want to just throw it to you guys to to give us a bit of the news, niggle, new, little news nuggets that you've seen come out over the last week or so. It's always good in preseason to to keep track of who's moving well, who's moving badly, what roles are changing, um, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Band, I want to hear first. You've got some some late breaking news as we go to air this afternoon, which you've just posted on your Twitter. Um, what is it? 
Yeah, so I just saw this probably not even half an hour before we jumped on to record this, but it looks like uh, Sarah Black from AFL Media tweeted that uh, Darcy Cameron left the training track early at Collingwood this morning. Um, looks like he might have pulled up with a bit of a hamstring issue. It didn't look too serious, just judging on the vision that she that she took on her phone. Um, you know, Cameron was just sort of walking off, just sort of stretching it out a bit. So that would indicate that, you know, it's maybe not too severe, but uh, yeah, obviously not ideal for all those super coaches out there who had him in their in their forward line or in their ruck line as well. So we'll have to wait and see what Colin would say about it. But uh, yeah, fingers crossed it's not too severe and he might just be on light duties for a couple of weeks while he gets that back to, uh, to 100%. Uh, there's one thing I hate in the preseason, Bandit. Uh, it's hammy industry. Yeah, hammy injuries. Uh, it's never a great sign at this stage of the year. Um, so it always puts sets you back a little bit. So if it does turn out to be something that causes him to miss a couple of weeks of preseason, um, that is officially a concern for me. Now, Darcy Cameron, not the not really the youngest guy out there as well. I think he's I think he's either 27 or 28 at the moment. So he has been around a while. Uh, so that's definitely one to keep an eye on. Um, Dylan, you're the newsman over at uh, the Herald Sun. What have you got for us? Surely there's there's a few few little nibbles you've heard around the track that you can pass on to us. Yeah, there's a few things floating around. I guess flowing on from what Bandit was saying about um, Darcy Cameron, Tim English um, has missed, I think, about a week now with an adductor injury. Um, but the Bulldogs say that's that's not too serious. So hopefully, I mean, if, if Cameron doesn't get up, hopefully English does um, or vice versa because I think a lot of teams will be looking at those guys um, for the ruck slots. But yeah, otherwise, I think Trelaw and, and Bailey Smith might not have participated in, in match sim. But, um, yeah, just a few bits and pieces floating around at the moment. And I guess we've sort of got to wait and see until something more concrete comes through. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you boys about is is something we see every year in Supercoach, which is the big new recruit to a team is allegedly training the house down. Um, apparently, Josh Dunkley has seamlessly adapted to the Brisbane to the Brisbane playing style. Um, he's kicked, he kicked two majors in their match sim on the uh, during the week. Apparently, um, was was all through the midfield. Uh, it sounds like it's all roses coming out of that big money recruit bandit. How much do you, how much stock do you put in those sort of reports coming out? Because I think we tend to see them every single time it happens. Yeah, I, I mean, this is the time of year, isn't it, where the club media departments fire up and the propaganda machine comes into full swing from from clubs trying to um, paint the best picture possible for their supporters. So you do have to take that with a grain of salt, I, I guess. Um, for guys like Dunkley, I'm you know, not surprised at all. He's, a, he's an absolute pro. So uh, yeah, I don't think there's any surprises there that he's, that he's training the house down and he's, and he's slotted in seamlessly. Um, but for other guys, you probably do need to take it with a bit of a grain of salt and um, yeah, don't listen too much to what the clubs are putting out there. Um, probably more take your take your information from, um, you know, the journalists and the, and the track watchers who, who get down there and have a bit more of a uh, bit of an independent view of things rather than, um, rather than the club media department. So um, it's definitely worthwhile information, but at the same time, you do need to um, treat it with, with caution, I suppose. Agreed, definitely. Um, the other area that you will often see the, the club media department sort of going to, going to town um, is with high draft picks. Uh, and obviously that's very relevant to us over at Supercoach HQ. So Dylan, I wanted to ask you about a couple of guys in particular. Um, will Ashcroft, uh, who was apparently dominant in the Brisbane match sim, um, was everywhere in the in his first 15-minute stint, um, not at all overwhelmed by the strong pressure, showcased his physicality with some tackles. Um, and the other one was Aaron Cadman from GWS, um, who also has apparently looked decent in the, uh, in the preseason so far. Dylan, what do we make of those two specifically and the idea of sort of rookies in the preseason more broadly? Yeah, I think so. Ashcroft, I can't see a world where you wouldn't pick him. Um, I spent a lot of time with him at, at the Dragons last year, and he's been, you know, building up 
to around one debut for the best part of two or three years now. Um, you know, he's that good. He's he's as professional, I think, as you can get as a as an under eighteens footballer. He spent time. He did a preseason up there last year, so it's not his first AFL preseason. So from that perspective, he's good to go. Played VFL footy during the year and, and was, I think, best on ground in, in one or two out of three games. Um, obviously, junior numbers were off the charts. I think, you know, we've had Walsh, we've had Dacos. I don't know that he'll straight away jump out of the gates like those guys did. But, um, yeah, I could see him hitting a, a 70 or an 80 average pretty easily. Um, he's just, yeah, he's a ball magnet. And he was the first pick to me um, this season. Cadman... Um, He's an interesting one. I don't think he's as much of a... Well, he's definitely not as much of a lock as Ashcroft is. Um, I think he might uh, ease into things, more or less. Um, I don't think he'll be a, an option right from the get-go, being the, the taller sort of player. And, and I'm not sure that GWS um, are going to go all that well this year, which means it's a key forward in a, in a struggling side that, that makes things difficult. Um, and then when you look at the... I guess the forward line options, you can pick Ben King for 20 or 30K cheaper and I think yeah. you know, you'll probably get a similar output from him plus he's ready to go. Um, so I think Ashcroft is, is a lock but Cadman's probably one to pass on um, early doors. Indeed. Um, the other one that I did want to, that I did see had had a good training was, uh, was Harry Sheasel, uh, over at the, over at North Melbourne, who apparently is also tearing it up. But as we, as we know, it's hard to, hard to nail down what's true and what's false in this preseason. I think the best way to do it is just try and watch as much footage as you possibly can. I know that's easier said than done for, for those at work. Um, but if you've got the second screen and, and the club happens to be showing the internal game, uh, it is always great to have a look at that and, and see for yourself. Um, any other news that we need to get to bandit? No, I don't think so. The uh, the practice game schedule did come out yesterday, I believe. So um, that's basically a full rundown of um, the sort of inter-club um, games that the teams will play, followed by an official uh, practice match. There's only one official practice match per, per team this year. So um, they'll do some, I guess, uh, match simulations, I suppose, where I think they'll sort of do four or five quarters of sort of 20, 25 minutes and um, try and give all their players as much of a run as they can. So... Uh, I assume a lot of the clubs will either live stream that or it, or it will be available in um, on the AFL website or something like that. So um, that'll be something to look forward to later on. Indeed. Um, now, boys, obviously I mentioned I'm in Canada at the moment, so I'm having a break as we speak. But if you've been dreaming about cocktails on the beach in Mexico, eating gelato in Rome, or not being able to remember half your time in Vegas for the boys, with the boys, whatever you want to do and wherever you'd like to go, Pat and George from Mortgage Choice are going to get you there. Speak to the boys today about how you can get quick and easy access to cash at the lowest rate possible so you can book that last minute flight today. Message them, message them on their Instagram handle at Pat and George Mortgage Choice to get it sorted. You can also jump into any of the articles on the website for their email, phone contact details, or a QR code. And remember, if you mention the SC Playbook podcast, then the usual $129 fee is waived. So get around it. Um, boys, what I did really want to speak to you today about speak with you about today um, is mid prices because to me uh, this feels like one of the uh, the bigger mid price crops that we've had recently in Supercoach in terms of relevance. Um, there are guys on every line. Um, normally, it's sort of I find it's it's easy to go uh, guns and rooks and work backwards from there, but I think this year it's almost a matter of building your team around a couple of these mid prices that they're, they're that enticing. Um, so I wanted to get your thoughts on this. Um, firstly, Bandit, what are your this year specifically, are you leaning towards a heavy guns and rook strat, or do you agree that uh, with me that this might be a year for the mid price options? No, I think there's definitely some some room for mid prices this year, um, especially with you know so many of the the really top gun players being you know in the higher bracket of that 600k range. So um, yeah, I think there's definitely some room for for mid prices. Uh, I don't think you want to go too heavy on them um, because obviously you know the more mid prices you 
you start, the more risk you incorporate um, into them not working out. But yeah, I think there's definitely a few that are on my radar and definitely a few that have sort of been the flavor of the month over the last, um, over the last couple of uh, weeks. So yeah, I think there's definitely some that are on, um, on my radar for sure. Now, Dylan, if there's one thing I know about you, it's that you like taking a bit of a punt on a few of these uh, mid-price options. We saw it last year. You got a bit adventurous at times through the year. So what do you think your strat's going to be this year? Are you back to the well in terms of guns and rooks or are you going to, you going to make a bit more, go a bit bolder again this year? Yeah, I, I think the, the whole mid-price madness thing is it gets played up every year at this time of year when nothing really has to be set in stone. You've got a month to sort of tinker with things. And I think more or less by the time round one rolls around and that Thursday night lockout or, or Wednesday night, whatever it is, I think guns and rookies will probably be where I look. Um, there's a few guys that, that I'm heavily tossing up and will probably be there um, come round one. But yeah, I think there might be a little bit of mayo being put on it, um, I think, at this point in time. You're just shitting all over my, my sweet, sweet podcast topic today, Dylan. <laughs> we may as well, well, we'll have talk about, Yeah, we'll talk about a few of the options and I guess see where, where, where it lands, but yeah. <laughs> well, hopefully we can convince you there's a bit of, bit of meat on this bone. Um, <laughs> but I'm very interested to see what you've come up with uh, for this next question that I want to ask you. I, I sort of put this broadly because um, I want to get... I want to just get some broad discussion about each line and which which options we can go with there. So I told the both of you guys to come prepared today with um yeah about three to four options in each um in each defensive midfield ruck line. Um, and basically we can just go through them and if if either of you have got thoughts, um we can we can hear what you reckon about these guys. But I want to throw throw to you first, Bandit. Um, who who sort of really takes your fancy in the defensive line? Yeah, there's probably a couple of guys that um, you can you can have a really good look at. I think um, at the moment and then into the into the preseason games as well. Um, probably the one that stood out for me um, straight off the bat, and he did get a bit of um, has copped a bit of talk on Twitter um, over the preseason so far. Was Ed Richards at the at the Bulldogs? Um, he finished the year really really strongly. Um, I think his last six games um, in 2022, he averaged 111, which is um, which was excellent. So. Uh, if he can continue that form and be a best 22 player, then I think he's definitely um, in the mix as a, as a bit of a mid-price um, option. Um, yeah. My only concern with him would be possibly sharing um, some ball distribution responsibilities with the likes of um, Bailey Dale and Caleb Daniel, um, those, sorts of, those sorts of guys. They obviously are very good kickers of the footy. So, um, yeah, it's probably just a question of what is his role going to look like in, in 2023, which would be um, probably the big... Um, you know, mark against him at this point in time, but obviously that's something you can look at um, over the course of the practice games with him. He's a guy that I he's I, he, he passed that he passed the eye test on a number of levels for me. He's quick, he's rapid, um, he's a very good user of the ball. He's one of those guys that I um, you, when you watch him play, you can't understand how he's not scoring more every week because he looks so damaging coming out of half back. The Bulldogs clearly like him coming out of there. Um, I think he's a really good one to keep an eye on. Another one in that vein for me uh, is Will Day. Um, who's at 362k at the Hawks. I'm going to get Dylan's thoughts in a second about this because um, he's a mad Hawthorne man. But Day is one that uh, has, has seriously passed the eye test for me. For From the first game he played, he looked so composed. Um, he looks, he, He's gotten better every season. He didn't really quite manage to to break out last year um, with injury worries. I think he'd had a, he's had a foot injury, which keeps which keeps causing him grief. Um, but he's he just looks like a player to me at Will Day. And at 362k, I think that's a bargain. Dylan, am I barking up the right tree there? Yeah, I, I don't mind that as a mid-price shout. I jotted down a few names for the back line as well, and he, he was one of them. Um, Rumour is that he'll play as a midfielder this year. Mm. Um, so I don't know what that does to his scoring. Um, you know, he won't get the, I guess, the ball use off out of half-back, but 
you know, obviously around the ball a little bit more. He, he's one that, as you mentioned, like he looks good from the first game he played. I thought when we when we um, gave him his debut, uh, his first year, I thought, oh, like what are they doing here? This guy's made of made of stick and bone still. Um, they're throwing him to the wolves a little bit. But yeah, he, he um, right from the get-go looks really good. Um, his issue has been staying on the park. So if he can... If he can put those injuries behind him, yeah, I don't, I don't mind that as a mid-price shout at all. The problem is, though, I think with a lot of these guys, and I think you know Richards and Day are, are two of the best, but you've got Elliot Yo there, and I think he's the no-brainer at the moment mm. um, in defence for me. Anyway, um, another guy that has a lot of injury issues, but even just from a, an ownership perspective, I think a lot of people will go to Yo as the default. Um, yeah, right off the yeah, agreed. Yo, Yo's the one with the proven track record. Um, he, another one I've also been looking at is uh, Hunter Clark. Um, and Braden Campbell from the Sydney Swans are two other ones that I had jotted down here. I think Braden Campbell uh, didn't didn't. I think a few people had picked him to potentially break out last year, but I think uh, he clearly wasn't quite ready yet. Um, yeah, this uh, this year is going to be a huge one for him. Um, Bandit, anyone else you want to touch on before we move on to the midfielders? Yeah, probably one more that's um, I've seen popping up in a few teams is is Christian Salem at, at Melbourne. Um, mm. Averaged uh, ninety four point five in in twenty twenty one. Um, didn't get a really good run at it last year with injury, only played 11 games in, in 2022, so we didn't see the best of him there. But, um, yeah, there may be a role for him if, if Brayshaw is going to move back into the midfield at, at Melbourne. Um, they will probably need someone with his skill set to uh, distribute off half-back, and Salem looks like the, the obvious one there. So um, he's definitely worth a look as well in the, uh, in the practice games. But probably the one thing to consider with him is that he actually hasn't played uh, a full season in the last three years, so there is um, there is some injury risk attached to attached to picking him. Indeed, um, midfielders. I want to start with a guy, Dylan, that's going to be on the radar of a lot of people, um, and it's it partly is it's what we spoke of before about a bit of hype with players moving clubs. But Jacob Hopper at three three two k, who's gone to obviously the Tigers from GWS, um, average ninety seven in twenty twenty one. He's somehow twenty six. I thought he was I thought he was younger than that, um, but he is already twenty six. So he's got some runs on the board in terms of experience. Should have his body perfectly right. Um, is going to have a role in the Tigers midfield. Am I missing something here? Is is he someone that that really should be locked into a lot of teams? Yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head there, Eddie. Um, as you said, got the track, the track record, um, has come to the, to the Tigers for a reason as well. Often you'll get, you know, fringe guys that are just flicked around a little bit, but he's one that the Tigers went out um, and, and got, likewise with Tim Taranto as well. But with Hopper in particular, you know, inside mid is, is really the only place he can play, I think. So, yeah, he's, um, of all the mid-prices across all the lines, I think he's the, the best one this year. Agreed. Um, ben, are you, on, are you on the Jacob Hopper train as well? And, and what other options can you throw at us for, for, the, for the midfielders? Yeah, I agree with you guys. I think he's an absolute lock. Um, like you said, Dill, um, you know, they obviously went out and got him to be, you know, the successor to the likes of Cochin, Martin, even Prestia to an extent, who's getting a bit long in the tooth and has been injured quite a bit over the last couple of years. So, yeah, I think he'll slot straight in and play um, midfield right from the get-go there at the Tigers, assuming that his body's, um, assuming that his body's right. Um just another one in that 300k bracket is uh, is James Warple. Um, Dylan, I know you'd be all over all over Warple mm. as well. Um, but yeah, obviously quite quite cheap for a guy who's you know averaged over 90 in the past and won a club best and fairest. What are we um, What are we thinking about his uh, his prospects for this season? Not a Warple fan, um, as as I think both of you guys well know by now. I yeah, I can't, I don't get it. I, he's we. I saw a stat pop up on Twitter the other day that he's missing over forty nine percent of his. Uh, sorry, he's only hitting forty nine percent of his kicks 
Uh, and that is, uh, as I said to you guys, I'm shocked it's that high. He he cannot hit a target at any level of the ground. Um, I just, yeah, I, I'm not a Warple guy. I, I'll put it out there. I'm not a Warple guy. Dylan, talk me around. Um, look, he's str- he was really ordinary last year. Um, fingers crossed as a Hawthorne man, he can get back to that 2019 form that, that saw him won the best and fairest. But, yeah, I think with, with Warple, he, he struggled when Mitchell and Amira were there. Uh, the year he sort of broke out was when Mitchell was out with his with his broken leg. So they're both gone now. It's essentially, you know, John Newcomb's there. And then I, I can't see a reason why, why Warple can't be in the number two. Um, so from that perspective, hopefully he can get back to, to 85s and 90s um, scoring-wise. But I guess, as we mentioned in, in the back line, when you've got someone like Jacob Hopper there who's a better proposition, it's hard to, I guess... Um, vindicate at having both Hopper and Warple when you're throwing mm. the likes of an Ashcroft and a and a yeah. um, potentially a Cam McKenzie or a or a Will Phillips as well who are a little bit more expensive. Exactly right. I think that's the the risk is too high with Warple in my like I just there's there's a world in which he comes out and averages sixty for the season, holds price and it's just a disaster. Um cut two more names I wanted to throw at you, Bandit, and a broader question as well is about the idea of sort of jumping on the the aging once superstar. We've got a couple of options um with that Patrick Dangerfield at 457k, Taylor Adams, Taylor Adams at 442k, and Rory Sloan at 413k are three guys who we know can score at a super coach level, but they're just whether it's injuries or age or both, um, it's it, you know it's hard to tell whether they will. What are you what are your thoughts on those guys? Great minds, Eddie. Uh, Danger was on my list to talk about here as well. Um, yeah, I, he's he's as good as option as you're going to get at I think it's 457k. Um, I think the main question yeah. you have to sort of ask yourself is. Has he got one last season where he'll over where he'll average over 110 points per game, and will he stay on the park? Um, he obviously had quite a few injury issues last year, and we didn't probably see the best of him um, up until the up until the finals, obviously, where he's quite good. But um, yeah, I think that's probably the main question you need to ask yourself with Dangerfield. The other thing that he's probably got going for him as well is that he'll probably get a DPP um, upgrade at some point, so yep. he'll probably become a forward by the end of the year if he's going to um, split his time between playing in the midfield and, and up forward. So he's got that going for him as well. Um, the other two guys you mentioned, Taylor Adams and Rory Sloan, I don't have as much time for. I think those guys, um, for different reasons, probably aren't the best options. I think Taylor Adams is uh, obviously an injury risk um, and Rory Sloan's probably the same and, and his role probably wasn't great when he came back into the... Um, even before he was getting injured, sorry. Um, he just looked like he was sort of declining naturally anyway. So... Um, Dangerfield's probably the pick of those three for mine. Um, and yeah, the other two, yep. I'm, I'm pretty happy to pass up. Another guy I should have thrown into that mix, which I didn't, is Dom Sheed at 332K. Dylan, um, average 95 in 2019. He's just had a, a, had a shocker of an injury run. Um, in that 2019 year, he had scores of 148, 144, 138, and 122. Um, so obviously balanced out a fair bit by some pretty average footy at the other end of the spectrum. But at 332K, is is Sheed at that point where it's, where it's almost a no-risk situation to go with him? Um, or are you going to steer clear? I, I think I'll probably steer clear for, for the reasons that we, we mentioned before in terms of just you've got so many other options. I think I'd rather you know pick, an, pick a hopper or totally eradicate that mid-price option altogether in the midfield yeah. and go for a rookie and a, and a gun. Um, yeah. Yeah, especially when you look at, you know, Tom Mitchell's 200K more expensive, but, you know, I can see a world where he averages 110, no worries, whereas, you know, as you said, Sheed could go 75 or 80 and and all of a sudden, um, you know, you're in no man's land a little bit. Another couple of guys I thought I'd just flag, uh, um, Marcus Windhager and Finn Callahan. they were 
two Sandy boys, um, not drafted last year, but the year before. Uh, Windhager in particular, I think, could could see an uptick. Um, sort of found his place last year as a tagger. Um, and Finn Callahan at the Giants is is another one who, you know, with Taranto and and, um, and Hopper on the way out, I think he could see a, um, an uptick in CBAs and, and midfield minutes. Yeah, agreed. Um, I think I think the coming back to Sheed just real quickly is I think I think the difference between a Sheed and a Dangerfield is that yeah, I mean Sheed's highest average in any any season in his career is ninety five, whereas um, yeah, Dangerfield obviously has the the higher ceiling and the, the more runs on the board. Um, Bandit, you've got a couple of more options for us that are probably at the higher end of the scale. Yeah, I do. So uh, when I sort of look at mid price midfielders, I generally think of anyone sort of below that five hundred k mark generally because obviously five hundred k is quite expensive for players on any other line, but for midfielders, it's not as high. Um, but a couple of other guys that sort of stood out to me um, in that sort of 400 to 500K bracket, um, one of them who got a lot of buzz last year but probably has gone under the radar a little bit um, so far in this preseason is Matt Rowell. Um, he, like I said, he's going under the radar, but uh, his role was quite choppy and changey last year. Stuart Jew seemed to have him running with players one week last year and then going find his own footy a little bit um, other weeks. So... Um, yeah, if he can find that consistent ball-winning role, I think there's definitely a case to be made for him, probably more so as a draft pick. Maybe if you play Supercoach draft, he might be someone you can look at as a as a sort of fourth or fifth-round pick potentially to um, fill out your, your midfield options. But, um, yeah, worth remembering that he's also basically a season behind um, Noah Anderson in terms of development. I think Anderson's played about 60 games and Rao's played only 40, I think, since he um, came to the Gold Coast just with injury and and whatnot. So, um, you know, we saw Anderson take a big jump forward at the Suns last year and maybe Real can can do the same. Um, and then the other one that uh, stood out to me was was John Newcomb at the Hawks. Still touched on him um, before when we were talking about yeah. Warple, but um, he spiked his average from, I think, 2021 to 2022, went up by 40 points or something like that. So um, he's basically become the number one midfielder overnight um, at the Hawks with, with no Mitchell and no Amira this year. So um, he could be one who just, you know, jumps out of the box and averages 110 just because there's really no one else to, to grab points in that midfield if, if he's not there. So um, he's definitely someone I'd be looking at pretty closely in, in draft for sure. Um, and if he goes really well in the practice games, then he might be worth a look in, um, in Classic too. Love it. Uh, I'm not going to spend a heap of time on the rucks because I think there's probably only a couple of really legitimate mid-price options. And one I'm going to ask you straight away about, Dylan, is Lloyd Meek um, at the Hawks. Uh, he looks to be a he obviously changed club since Freo. He's he's got sort of Ned Reeves, Max Lynch, and Max Ramson as his competition. Um, yeah, is do you think he's going to get that starting rock role at Hawthorne? And is he worth a look at four thirty one k? I really have no idea how rocks will set up next year. Um, I don't think Ramson will play. He's one I think you can cross out early, but you know, especially with Mitch Lewis going down with a knee last week i could actually see a world where all three of them play which which isn't great news for hawks fans i think because that that'll be a uh, pretty immobile forward line um but yeah i i would steer clear of all of reeves lynch and and um and meek i, I know there is a temptation to sort of try and find the, the one that'll get that ruck time but i can see a world where even even you know they might rotate week on week where you might have a reeves and lynch combination one week and then meek might be involved the next week so yeah, I'd stay clear of all three of those guys. I don't know if you've got any other thoughts, Bandit. Yeah, I tend to agree, Dill. Meek is, um, yeah, if, if Mitchell came out earlier in the season and said he's going to be our number one, then, you know, you'd probably have a bit more of a serious look at him. But, yeah, he's a he's a pass for me at, at this stage. Um, the other guy that you could have a look at is, uh, is Scott Lysett. Um, obviously, it looks like he's back to 
to full fitness after having um, some shoulder issues last year. So, um, yeah, he's definitely someone you could look at. But obviously the, the problem with him is that he hasn't played a full season in the last four years or so. So there is a major injury risk attached to to starting him. Um, but he did start the year off quite well uh, last year in 2021 before he, before he went down with injury. So, um, yeah, if you're looking for a Darcy Cameron replacement, potentially he's, he's someone you could maybe look at. Scott, uh, sorry, uh, <laughs> Sam Draper, anyone? Sammy oh, Draper? No. No, no, okay. No, I didn't didn't think there were going to be many takers on that one. Um, I do love Sammy Draper, but I think he's probably at least another year year away from being super coach relevant. Um, Let's go to the forwards. Uh, As always, it seems like the forward line is where you can really find your mid-price value. Um, Obviously, Colgs last year was the big one. Um, Not even mid-price, he was probably below that. Um, There are a couple of really interesting options forward of centre. One that I I want to talk to you guys about straight away is Ben Cunnington um, at the Kangaroos. He's 419k. He's 31 years old. He's obviously coming back from a serious illness. In 2021, he averaged 109. Uh, Bandit, is this is this one that you're going to be keeping an eye on or is, is Cunnington almost in to stay in your team at the moment? Um, he's not in my team at the moment. I am keeping tabs on him, um, but he just seems a bit overpriced for me. Like 419K, like he's not going to be someone that you potentially flip. Um, you're basically picking him as sort of that F6 throughout the season type of player like, like Cogs was last year. So um, I feel like there's just a bit of risk there if he starts slowly at 419k, he could actually drop from that price, and then you end up having to trade him out, and it's a bit of a bit of a disaster, really. So, um, yeah, he's obviously we all hope that he that he goes really well this year, through, given what he's been through. But yeah, for me, there's just not a lot of meat on the bone in terms of him being a you know a cash generator. Um, and if he's not a cash generator, then he's going to be someone that you hold for the whole season. I just don't think that's that's feasible. So um, he's a he's a no for me at this stage, but I'm I'm keeping an eye on him just in case. Who else should we be looking at in the forward line, Dylan? Um, I actually think it's a really tricky line to sort of pick out some mid prices. Fife is the obvious one. Um, he's got the the track record, a dual Brownlow medalist, obviously, but you know a little bit like Cunnington. I think both of them will spend large chunks of time forward, which sort of raises the question: like, obviously they're a little bit cheaper than others, but if they're going to average like. 85, 90, 95, they're not really guys you want to have come the end of the year. So, yeah, I don't. I found it really tricky to, to pick mid-prices on this line. I think I'd rather look at a guy like Cameron or um, or Taranto who are sort of cheap 500s, high 400s, and look at a guy that's, I guess, 200K. Um, Oscar Allen's one that I've got a, a, a little bit of a watch on, um, what he sort of looks like in the preseason. But, yeah, it's um, Fife is the one that jumped out to me, and even then that, you know, I know Nico. Nico wasn't a huge fan of him last week. I think he'll spend a lot of time forward. So, yeah, I think he, I think he's in about forty five percent of teams or thirty five percent of teams at the moment. A lot of teams, and I'm not sure that that should be that high. Yeah, agreed. I'm I'm right there with you with that. Um, who else are we missing here, uh, Bandit? I've, uh, Wayne Miller, a bit of interest there. I've I've always liked him as a player. Does he do it for you? Um, Sam Flanders, we were talking about in our chat the other day. Um, what about him? Can, what can you tell us about Flanders? Oh, I don't really get the hype around Flanders, to be honest. Um, no, no, play a lot of games last year. There's talk of more midfield time, but the Suns haven't really lost any midfielders, and they've and they're pretty stacked for midfielders anyway. So I don't really see where the extra opportunity is going to come from in that space. So. No, he's not on the watch list for, for me at the moment. Um, I think Oscar Allen looks like a really good option for, for me. Um, he will be a little bit inconsistent, as most key forwards are, but at 210K, it's an absolute risk-free pick. Risk free pick. I don't think he'll drop um, any cash if he starts slowly. 
Um, and if he starts the year yeah. really well, then he's going to jump up in price really quickly. I think a couple of years ago, he got to the point where he was, you know, 440K or something like that. So he does have a bit of a track record in, in Supercoach. Um, and the other one that I had on my list as well, who's um, maybe the higher end of a mid-pricer, but probably more of a potential breakout, was was Nick Martin at the Bombers. Um, mm. Came in in 2021 mm-hmm. and um, had a really consistent finish to the year, actually, when most people had probably traded him out. Um, scored a lot of, of 90s and, and looked really good. So, um, you know, if he can take another step in his development, that might be, um, he might be worth a sneaky look as well. Look, all I'm saying, Bannett, is he's at 500 to 1 to win the brown line. That's all I'm saying. Uh, I'm, I'm not saying anything maybe, more about it apart from that. Um, <laughs> um, what I did want to say about Martin, though, is Essendon's first four games are unbelievably friendly from a super coach standpoint. We've got Hawthorne, Gold Coast, St Kilda, GWS. In our first four games, so if you didn't want someone, if you didn't want someone that's potentially going to to light the world on fire early and, and go up quickly in price, Nick Martin could be your guy. Ben Hobbs is another one that I've seen thrown around a little bit. I, I wouldn't be doing that if I were you. Um, he was good in the back end of last year, and he might play more midfield this year, but it's too many variables for me. Um, Dylan, you've got a couple of more to round us off. Yeah, m- mainly just to touch on a few guys. So Jason Horn Francis is one that I've seen floated about. Interested to hear your thoughts on on him. For me, it's a no. The price is too awkward. We didn't really see it last year. Um, I know he's had a change in clubs, but yeah, he's one that I thought no. Um, And Taron Thomas Thomas is another one that's on a lot of radars now, but there's obviously some some things happening in the background with him. He's probably another one that I'd I'd stay away from. Um, I can't think of a time where players have had something going on externally and and been able to put it together on the park. It's often a case of their football declines as well as a result of it. Um, And in Thomas's case, you know, he might not even be on a list um, come come round one. So they're they're two that I'd steer clear of. Do either of you have any other thoughts on, on Horn Francis? Uh, I'm putting a line through Thomas to start with. I I think those most recent revelations, not to, not to get into them too deeply, but I'd, yeah, I don't, I don't see him being on a list um, to start this season or at least playing to start the season. Um, Horn Francis does intrigue me. Um, it's one of those ones where the player that I saw last year was not the player that I saw in the SNFL the previous year that was dominant in a preliminary, kicking five goals in a preliminary final, that sort of thing. That was not what I saw last year. Who knows? Maybe the, the change in um, in scenery is exactly what he needs. But yeah, again, the same with similar to Hobbs. Like, there's just too much. There's too many variables there, and we haven't seen it yet from him at an AFL level. Um, yeah, Bernard, are you on the same lines there? Yeah, I tend to agree with your sentiments, Re Horn Francis. Um, yeah, I think he'll benefit from being at a club where the pressure's not on him to be, you know, the main guy right from the start. Um, but at the same time, yeah. I think that it will also come with a, a slight dip in his supercoach performance. Um, and as Dill said, the price is just a bit awkward. If he was maybe sub 300K, you'd, you'd have a look at him. Um, and he might be a viable starting option. But yeah, I think at that sort of mid 300s, um, you kind of want to guarantee that he's going to make, you know, 150K. And I just don't think he's got the capacity to do that um, in the role that he's probably going to be playing at, at Port Adelaide this year. And, and yeah, Taron Thomas, um, you guys covered it pretty pretty well. I don't think he'll be playing round one. And, um, yeah, given the recent revelations, he'd be doing well to um, to keep his spot on the, on the list, to be honest. Um, thanks for your time again today, boys. That might just about do it for our second of our weekly podcasts leading up to the 2023 season. I did want to give a quick plug to the SC Playbook subscription package. Um, for 50 bucks, you get all of our NRL, AFL, and BBL content for the next 12 months. 
Um, you can go $30 only if you want ex- uh, just exclusively the AFL package. That gets you extra premium articles every week, access to our WhatsApp group with you guys and me and our other contributors, um, weekly Q&As with us in that chat and the rest of the SC Playbook community, as well as access to our unlimited major unlimited group prize, uh, which will be announced shortly. Um, that is exclusive to our AFL subscribers. Um, if you're not interested in that, don't worry. We've got plenty more content on the website as well as on this podcast feed. Dylan, thank you for joining me today. Um, appreciate it. We'll see you again next week. Bandit, um, same to you. Get around him on Twitter. Get around both of them on Twitter um, and we'll speak to you again next week.